What's up? It's Daniel from the Hands to the Plow podcast. I'm here with Aubrey McGowan. Is that how you pronounce it? Is that the right way? With a G, McGowan. Yeah, you did it right, man. I got you, McGowan. And we're going to be talking today uh, the topic of Dad's Matter as we talk uh, and tackle fatherlessness and discovering the joy of being a dad, which Aubrey has had plenty of time to figure out the whole dadding thing, um, considering he has like 10 kids and this <laughs> gnarly green battle van that he takes his kids out to do super cool outdoorsy stuff. Yeah. Uh, I just can't wait to to kind of talk and glean with, see what you have to uh, say about being a dad, but also um, what you have to say about being uh, a dad now, not having a, a father present, you know, all the time uh, in the household and, you know, a father being present could mean totally different things. It could mean a father being completely gone outside of someone's life. It could mean a father being present, but not being present, right, for the child. So that's what we're going to get into today. But Aubrey, Let's hear a little bit about you and your background, what you're doing, where you've come from, where you're going. Uh, probably still trying to figure out, but what you got? Always trying to figure it out. Um, yeah, man, I'm Aubrey McGowan, and I live just outside of Nashville, Tennessee, with my family, uh, my wife. Uh, this year will be 19 years that we've been married, so pretty excited about that. Her name's Jen, and then we have we have five, not ten children. So, <laughs> okay, kids. so you got half of what I mentioned. Yeah, that's right. That's right. You've got five. a basketball team. <laughs> that's right. And uh, both of my sons are already taller than me, so I'm you know I'm five eight and three quarters, and they've already surpassed me. So, uh, two of my sons, but uh, yeah, man, I've got, we they range in age from almost fifteen down to three, and. Uh, we just love them to death, man. They're the joy, definitely the joy and greatest gifts of our lives. Um, you know, Jen and I both grew up in, in broken homes, uh, and we can talk about it more later, but I uh, tragically lost my dad when I was uh, almost five years old and uh, then grew up with a, with a stepdad who was wrestling some demons and <laughs> uh, struggled to be a father himself. And um, then my wife grew up in a home where a broken home where her parents were divorced at young when she was young. And, you know, we're we're really working together to. To right the ship in our own lives, but also inspire and encourage others to do the same. Um, I do that partially. We do that partially through we, we write songs and create and perform music together. Uh, the artist's name is really creative. It's called Aubrey and Jim. You uh, went out of a limb on that one, dude. Yeah, yeah. Man, <laughs> yeah. Sometimes I do have to clarify that with a live audience. Like, I'm Aubrey, she's Jim. You know, just it's something. <laughs> <might say that. laughs> Did you say Aubrey and Jim? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, and uh, yeah, man, we, we do that through music. And then we have a family ministry called Family Field Guide, which seeks to equip and encourage parents to confidently disciple their kids in their homes. And then I have a ministry to directly to men uh, called Whetstone. And it's really, I'm really reaching out and targeting those guys like myself 
who were not father well, who didn't see a good example of a husband in the home, who are struggling with that low hum of anxiety in their lives and that sense of, I'm in my late 30s now, in my 40s, and I just feel like I don't have a clear purpose anymore. And I'm just helping those guys recapture that fire and the mission that God has for them. And yeah, I'm a pastor in a local church called Christ is Love here in Hendersonville, Tennessee, and lead worship there as well as uh, do some teaching. And uh, my wife and I, we love to get into anything we can as far as creative DIY, get in over our heads, watch a bunch of YouTube videos and <laughs> and find our way out, find a way to climb out. And luckily we've, uh, infected our kids with that bug too. So we're, oh, we're oh man, um, we love to spend that time outdoors together as a family. And uh, we're currently flipping pop-up campers. <laughs> so that's awesome. I currently have two. Uh, up until a couple of days ago, I had three pop-up campers in my driveway. <laughs> so Jen's like, we really do look like you know we're living down some country holler somewhere and people will drive up and they're like, what is happening here? But we're yeah. flipping, flipping some campers so we can buy the one we want, you know? Well, maybe one day you guys can have a TV show and, and everything. That's right. Man. You need to get yeah. in why the niche is there. You know what I'm saying? Like, I yeah. feel like that rugged, like go outdoors and do crazy stuff. Yeah. Like it could really hit home right now. You know what I'm saying? Maybe it could, man. Maybe it could. I mean, we, We'll see what the Lord opens the door there. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Well, man, we're going to get into it. Um, I'm actually, you'll see me as we go throughout. I'll just be taking like some notes because I don't want to forget the questions that come to mind to to ask. I'm going to look out too then. If you're going to take yeah. notes, I'm going to take notes. <laughs> um, I have a very short-term memory, so if I don't get it out right then, I'll forget. Um, but you I mentioned. Say, I would say I write things down. Writing things down gives me permission to forget them. Because I'm really good at forgetting. So it yeah, gives me yeah. to do the thing I'm really gifted at. <laughs> so if yeah, I write it down, I'm, I'm surprised like, we're here on this podcast right now. <laughs> it's crazy that we actually made it here, right? Yeah, yeah. We've come a long way. Um, <laughs> you mentioned the pro so you mentioned the creative bug DIY flipping campers. That's not an everyday thing. Like you hear yeah. people about flipping flipping houses, but not flipping campers. <laughs> is it the process? Is it the process? What is it? The end goal? What is the part about it that just really like, because I'm the type of person that my wife all the time is like, you go from one thing to the next, to the next, to the next. And what I'm learning in that is it's not so much the end goal I love, but, but the process, the process, the stretching uh, of myself what is it for you and your wife that you kind of enjoy? Do you like, you know, just starting and doing something you don't really know how to do and kind of figuring it out? Or what is it, man? I think um, it's probably unfair to, to drag my wife into this unnecessarily. <laughs> oh, so so she has nothing to do with it. No, listen, she's, <laughs> I have successfully trained her over 20 years. If she Hold on. Did you just say you train your wife? She's going to roll her eyes at me. <laughs> but I have over 20 years somehow uh, gained her confidence enough to say when I have a crazy idea, she says, all right, let's give it a try, you know. So, uh, but I think to your point, um, 
for me, it's about curiosity. I just, I'm insanely curious about things. I mean, I always have been since I was a kid. It's just something that I've always leaned toward is learning new things, figuring out how things work. Um, and there's something about when you do ministry work or you do work on a computer or you do work that is uh, very sedentary or, or uh, not that ministry work is sedentary, but, you know, uh, even if you're in a routine of, of creating content or web development or being in meetings, there's something wonderful about just getting your hands dirty and, and solving a problem that's actually tactile and a physical problem. I think that really does exercise a part of my brain that, that also relieves uh, some of the stress of, and the tension within the other side of my brain. Um, so I've always, I'm, I'm not, I mean, I know where it came from in some ways. Um, don't know where it came from in others, but I, I just have this spirit inside of me that says, I can do that. You know, <laughs> I see something done. I'm like, I think I can do that. And sometimes it's, it gets me in over my head, like I said before, and gets me in a place where I'm like, I don't know if I can do this. <laughs> but hey, man, somebody told me once the essence of faith is risk, you know, and the, and the essence of risk is that it's you're uncomfortable. Right. It's, you know, and becoming comfortable with the uncomfortable. That's a big that's a big point of uh, a big foundational piece in my life. Um, it's something that I kind of run towards, even, you know, much at, at times that it's not been a good thing. <laughs> uh, in my 40, now working on my 43rd year of life, I feel like I've gotten a little bit better balance of that. And my wife has wonderfully, thankfully, by the grace of God, helped me to learn what's worth risking on and what's not, you know? <laughs> so how long did it take for you to kind of get through that? Because me and my wife, are going through a lot of that right now where we have to navigate these crazy ideas that Daniel gets, you know, and it's really easy, right. On my end to say, just trust me, just trust me, you know? So how long did that take you and and Jen to kind of get over that hump where she was like, okay, like, I know he's not just going to throw our entire life away. Like, no, I know we're going to be okay. Like, how did you, did it take convincing? Was it just time? Was it, was it? So I would frame it this way. I mean, I think there's probably still, you know, some part of her that when I mentioned an idea, she's like, are you going to throw our lives away on this? You know, Uh, (laughs) just using your words, not mine. But um, I think there is part of that. But I think what we've come up with and what we've created is a way of communicating about it and a way of understanding when something is just an idea, when this is a, hey, let's throw it against the wall and see what sticks, let's dream together, versus, hey, this is a decision that we, that I've made and this is what we're doing, you know? Because I think early on in our marriage, I, put, I often put her in this place where I process out loud, I think out loud, I ideate out loud, I love to talk through ideas. Well... For a long time, early in the marriage, I mean, she was just thinking like, oh my goodness, like, we're going to do this. We have to do what, 
what about last week when you talk about doing this or, and you know the feeling but what i realized and we were able to come to some clarity together was that i need to kind of come with a little bit of uh, explanation before i come with the idea hey this is just me brainstorming or this is just me shooting just enjoying a conversation a creative conversation this is not me saying this is the next direction of our five years you know and this is also not me giving up on the thing i told you i was going to do last week you know <laughs> dude hey your life sounds so much like my life sometimes yeah. just in this man it's like we're in that season right now and we've been yeah. in this season for like the last year and a little bit and you're just learning how to navigate so i, yeah. I can't wait to hear more yeah, man, I think I think there's that piece of it, which is helping her understand when it's brainstorming. Because most of the time it is, let's be honest, most of the time it's like me getting excited about an idea and then next week. But but then, too, it's, it's also me recognizing that it's brainstorming and recognizing that these ideas. I'm not a servant to the ideas. But these ideas are are in service to our common mission together as a family and the mission that God has me on as a man and in my in my life. So the ideas can often have this power over you that you feel like if I don't chase it down right now, it's going to go and it'll never come back. And I believe that's a device that Satan uses for creative people all the time where he tries to just get them so freaking jumbled up and confused in their minds and he tries to use the power of those ideas that maybe god-given ideas he tries to manipulate them to a place to where we strive and struggle and can't ever have peace can't ever be content we're always waiting and looking for them chasing the next thing instead of staying committed to the thing that we committed to right right that's a great way for satan to keep creative people out of the game and um and i've just learned that jen has been a huge gift to me in that because now she's my person that helped me bet ideas and helps me say okay here's an idea i have i'm having can you help me and that's that's a big thing is just asking for her help to say can you help me decipher um whether this is something worth pursuing or not and can you help me too like you know all i've got on my plate I don't know about you, Daniel, but I'm always overestimating the amount of time I have and underestimating the amount of time something will take to get done. Mm -hmm. You know, so I'm like, oh, this is going to take me two hours. And I also have this huge block of four. I have a whole day to get it done. Well, neither one of those is true. <laughs> Most of the time, right. it's the going to take me a whole day to get done. And I really only have two hours to commit to this, right? But now once you're in it, you got your hands full of grease and you're, and you're under the camper, let's say, <laughs> to, to bring just hypothetically yeah, yeah. <laughs> a hypothetical story into this conversation. You know, then you're, then that's where the, the real tension starts to build with your wife. It's like, because you weren't clear about expectations on the front end. And in some ways you weren't capable of, of being an honest judge of the time and the investment. And uh, 
And that's where she's been super helpful to me. It's yep. helping me be honest in the assessment of what it's going to take, you know. And I, I think kind of one of the things that you're you're bringing up is we have to learn to show grace to to both sides. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That I feel like, like in your wife's standpoint, to learn how you kind of navigate things and think about things and how your mind works. Hey, I need a little grace in this. You know, I'm, I'm still trying to figure this out for myself. But at the same time, you having the grace to understand that like, hey, she's just wired differently th than I am. So we're going to have to kind of walk through this together because there's not a one size fits all plan to figuring this out. Uh, I'm guessing, I don't know. I would assume that your wife is obviously creative because she sings and stuff like that. But is she also kind of linear as well? Yeah, she's definitely a linear thinker. She's definitely um, much more uh, driven and focused than I am. I mean, she has a task and she's like laser focused. And she, that's why my kids, are, we homeschool. So, and she's the primary teacher, thank God, because she has a plan and she's been homeschooling for nine years now. She's just wrapping up this week, her, her ninth year of homeschooling. And our kids are overwhelmingly blessed to have her as a teacher because she's very strategic and she's very, she, she makes the plan and follows the plan. You know, I, I make the plan and then next week I make another plan. And then right. <laughs> the plan is never good enough. Right. Right. Um, so and, I, and to your point, Daniel, I mean, you know, it was God's idea to bring us together, right? It was God's idea to bring us together with our wives. And he knew what exactly what we needed. And he knew exactly how that would be manifest. If And, and it's our, I don't know if you can hear the screaming back there, but there's some, there's some screaming going on. Well, I don't hear it, but I can tell you I can hear it in my head because it happens about every day at four o'clock when I get home. So, yeah, let's just uh, be completely transparent and honest. Like anybody really? who has kids, you know, you're seeing the highlight reel on Instagram. That's not real life. <laughs> yeah. That's for real, man. But no, man, just thank God that he he brought us together. I really think he, it does. We are complementary to one another, and, and God uses that. And our our prayer is that God would use that to to further His kingdom and to really um, take ground for the mission that He has for that's unique for our family. What's really cool is that, like you mentioned, that you know y'all both come from broken, I guess, broken homes, whereas my wife and I. She was very traditional Christian family, whereas I'm from a broken family. And just interesting, like the different things that that we've had to to navigate. You know, um, the difference between family dynamics, how we're going to parent, those types of things. So, kind of curious, like how was it difficult for y'all? Because sometimes opposites attract, but. And not saying that y'all probably aren't opposite in a lot of ways, but did it make it difficult with both of you guys coming from kind of broken backgrounds? Yeah, that's a good question. I I think there are some things that are difficult. I think many of those things we didn't even know were the source or cause of that difficulty. 
until years later. You know, certain ways that I learned to cope from the loss of my father or the abuse of my stepfather. Um, the the issues that I had with um, just being so desperately uh, caught up in people pleasing those really affected our marriage. The brokenness of my of my family of origin really did add to that. Um, and then her the insecurities and and struggles of uh, that she's had growing up growing up without a, a dad in the home and just. I think in some ways, like there are definitely negative things. I think the positive thing for us is that it has made us both committed, like deep down to our core, to our family, and to not repeating that cycle, you know? Um, and sometimes you, you can swing the pendulum the other way and get obsessive about it. And, and um, but we just long for. I, because I didn't have, I did have a father. My dad's name was Ethos McGowan. I like to say his name just so he can be remembered and known because he was a man of God, a faithful man of God, a man of the word, a man who for almost five years of my life did train me and teach me in the ways of the Lord. Um, but from that time on, I didn't have a father who did that. Um, and but that has made me even more committed to doing that for my kids. And I think Jen feels the same way, you know, right. both of us had moms that were faithful to the Lord. Both of us, they dedicated themselves to bringing us to church and to leading us um, to the Lord and discipling us and all those things. So we have the gift of that, but both of us feel like probably the main effect that that brokenness has had on our, on our family is just a, a diehard commitment to flipping the script and making generational change, you know? And I, I think that's, what's really, really cool is don't get me wrong. I'm not a perfect father by any means. And obviously you're not either, but cool to have families, another man that, that I now know who has that same end state, same end goal in mind, because that's, that's the end goal that I've had for the last 20 years, you know, I said, I don't want to have to have kids growing up the way I did. Cause it sucked. It sucked. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, and really, it's been really good. Um, so I've written some notes down that you, you mentioned the curiosity thing. We'll go, we'll touch that really quick. Um, you know, what do you think, what is it about a man and curiosity that makes them want to just tackle something? And, and I bring this up because you mentioned the curiosity thing, and I had something. You may think this is funny, you may not, but we've had a lot. We've had we've been in our house for about seven years, and when we bought the house, there was an alarm system already in it that we never used. It wasn't armed or anything like that, but it would still blink, like if you'd walk through a specific room, but it was never set or anything. So about a week ago, I decide for whatever reason to be curious and press some buttons. And this alarm system went off. And when I say it went off, it went off for about 15 or 20 minutes. And I could not figure out how to turn it off. And it got to the point where it was so loud 
and it bothered us so bad and we couldn't figure out. I had to call somebody to come over, help me figure out how to turn it off. And we ended up cutting the line for the 24 volt. So it would just completely go off. Right. And since you can imagine my wife, she's wanting to take a nap on a Saturday and she's like, did you seven years we've lived in this house and you decide to touch these buttons today? You know? So what is it about a man and that curiosity that kind of leads him to, to want to do like new things such as turn Press an alarm system that's never worked before. Yeah. Um, that's a good question. I mean, I think that the ultimate answer is that God did hardwire many of us to, I mean, he hardwired creation really for us to be curious and, and for us to discover it. I mean, that's what I love. I'm, I'm a man who just loves science. I love, uh, discovering new things i love it when people discover new things i love it when uh when people point to the the greatness of of man's brain and knowledge and accomplishments and and they forget the lord and it's like man uh as far as you go back you know as much as you discover like you realize that god created all this and your discoveries are only uncovering they're not actually creating you know mm-hmm. um but I think, you know, God God did hardwire into creation a lot of mystery. And he invites us, even in our relationship with him. I mean, that's why he doesn't just lay it all out there, right? He says, you know, come to me. Come and draw near to me. Come and find me, you know, come and chase after me. And, and, and I want to show you some things that are going to blow your mind, you know? And I, I loved it, honestly, in the garden, you know, that Adam had work to do. And that work was in part a work of curiosity and a work of discovery. I mean, I wonder, you know, we always talk about how he named all the animals. I mean, how did he find all the animals? You know, first you got to find the animals. Right, right. I think that the kids' storybooks show them, you know, with all the animals lined up like Noah and the ark, like by pairs, and and they're just, they're sitting there waiting for their names, you know. But I don't think that's how it happened at all. I mean, God creates this wide world in this perfect place, and then he creates Adam, and he says, all right, now go find it, buddy. (laughs) You know, but it's in the curiosity and it's in the task and the work and the goodness of discovering that I think we often find these layers of meaning. It's not, then it's not just, Hey, I named an animal. Then it's, Hey, I have a story to tell you. You know, I I went through the forest and I've been looking for days. I've heard the rustling. I've seen the the signs. I've I've seen the footprints, but I, 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 I'm discovering this new thing and I, I just can't quite find it. And then when you find it, you get to name it and you get to mm. say that you discovered this. You know, I think that's a long way around to say, or maybe just one way of coming at the answer to your question, which is curiosity um, is um, uh, something that God desires and longs for from us and, and something he hardwired into creation for to be part of our lives, you know, 
Well, I think you bring up a good point, and I think so many times we, as Christ followers, we we forget that Adam, man, was made to work. Yes, everything before the fall, yes, it was perfect, but there was still work to be done. That was part of every day. That was part of of the process, you know. And I loved how you how you laid that out because I've never thought about it. I can imagine Adam like scurrying around, you know, kind of looking, not looking for his prey, obviously, but looking for that next animal to name, you know, yeah, there's gotta be, Hey, there's gotta be another one. There's gotta be more, you know, there's gotta be something bigger or more ferocious or man, that, that thing, that lion over there, that's the craziest thing I've seen so far. You know, I, I think, I think that gets to like this bigger thing of when we have, especially first world problems, right? We have everything laid out on a platter for us. And yet God's nature in us is to discover and to work and to sweat and to search. That's why we all, that's why so many of us desire adventure, desire to like get outside, right? Or to go and explore places because it's not laid out on a platter. It's not given to us in an app. It's not given to us in, 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 detailed every single word it's like no i want i want to discover something on my own and in and i want to experience it firsthand you know and i think that's one of the real things that we see and i don't know if you want to get into this but i I think you know a lot of us are a lot of fear around ai and around technology and you know what does it mean for us um it only means as much as we're willing to let it have power over us. I mean, in a sense of AI cannot replace the, <laughs> the experience of me just walking into the woods and discovering something new, you know, getting my hands dirty, being in a relationship and like going somewhere with no, having no destination, you know, but just exploring. I mean, there's nothing a computer can do to do that. And I, I understand people can take it far and say, well, one day there will be the, this, you know, whatever. But to me, it's like, <laughs> and all those things. just get out there and get your hands dirty and be curious and experience it and know that the, the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. And the whole earth is filled with his glory. And it's not just filled with his glory so that we can uh, say, God, you're glorious. It's not just filled with this glory in a sense of it's worship music everywhere. It's filled with this glory to be discovered and to be known and to be seen and to be the mysteries to be unfolded. And uh, that's the beauty of our God uh, is that these unfolding mysteries give us a taste of who he is and a taste of eternity, you know, because he wants to restore the garden, right? <laughs> I mean, it would be pretty boring, I would say, if he had everything laid out before us. Even well, though we face that, we want to know that. I mean, but I think that's half half the fun is realizing it's not all laid. And, and that's why we have to continue to seek after the Lord day in, day out, surrender it to him and say, today's a new day, Lord. What do you have for me today? Yeah, I, I think that's what you're saying when you say it out loud. It, it's right but I think it's so antithetical to everything we're being told in culture, which is 
um, I don't want it laid out. What we're saying right now is like, there's a beauty in it not being laid out for us. There's a beauty in everything not being scripted. There's a beauty in everything not being hand-delivered to my door. And yet, if we're not intentional about it, that's the way that culture is is directed and is telling you, you need. You need everything handed to you. You need everything explained to you. You need all the knowledge so that you can... And Lord, isn't that just another way of, of you know, articulating the lie of the serpent in, in the garden, you know? It's kind of, hopefully maybe this will kind of segue into the fatherlessness part of it. But like, I just think it's something as simple as had I not come from a broken family, I would have probably never reached out for counseling like I have. But through yeah. counseling, I've been able to discover how to navigate certain things that like now my wife's dealing with certain things. And because she grew up differently, she has more difficulty navigating emotions and feelings th than I do. You know what I'm saying? So there, there's, you know, even though something bad happened in my past, there's still something good that comes out of that, that discovery, you know? Yes. So Lord, that's the redemption of the Lord. Thank God that he redeems unexplainably. Jen and I always say, you know, my dad passed away and we lived in Tampa, Florida. And um, my mom met my stepdad in Tampa. My stepdad gets transferred up here to Tennessee, uh, to Nashville. Jen's family's from Nashville. She was born and raised here. Uh, we end up, through circumstances, going to the same church together when we were kids, you know. And, you know, in one respect, I can look at that and say, man, if I had not lost my dad, and my mom hadn't been in this relationship with my stepdad, which is an unhealthy relationship. But, and we wouldn't have moved to Tennessee. Like I never would have met Jen and had all these blessings. It's just, I, don't know, I mean, I can't say never because who knows how, how God would have worked it out. But it's crazy to see how God takes the, that, that brokenness and, and turns it around. And like, I don't know how it would have worked out any other way, but I'm grateful. Or how it has worked out. You know? Yeah, yeah. That's crazy, man. Well, I mean, I think if we open our eyes more, we would see the Lord is intersecting in some pretty, pretty amazing ways. I just think about doing what I'm doing now at Feed Sumner, which is affiliated with the church I go to, which back in 2009, I'd never been to the city that now I currently live in and happen to be doing a CrossFit competition at the same church that I now work at, you know, nah. same church I met my wife at, you know, the same nah, church nah. I got married in, you know, so you just never know. And people outside of Christianity would say, oh, well, that's just the ways of the world and happenstance or whatever, you know, 100 percent, man. All God, all God, yeah. you know, only God could orchestrate a symphony like that, you know? Yeah, right. Yeah, thank God that he does redeem all those things. And that, that's what builds our trust in him, too, you know, the brokenness of our families in the past caused us to be desperate for the Lord. And thankfully, we, we didn't run from him, but we ran to him, you know, and there were times where we ran from him, but ultimately uh, we ran to him and found refuge in him and um that i'm very grateful 
very yeah. grateful for that. Let's talk about, um, so you, your dad was a godly man, uh, a man of the word, and then you had your stepdad. And you said he, he was present, but he was abusive. Correct? Is that correct? Yeah. So what was kind of the d- dynamic uh, growing up? How did it affect you? How did you navigate that? Yeah, man. I mean, I think um, one of the things I realized early on that I didn't understand at the time, really, until I was probably in my early 30s, was that um, actually when Jen and I got married, it was like she started to ask questions to my mom about my dad. And she's like, Hey, did you know this about your dad? And I was like, no, I didn't know that. I like, How do you know that? And she's like, well, I just asked, you know? <laughs> and, uh, what I realized is that it was never explicitly said that you can't talk about your dad. You can't ask questions about him, but it was just such a volatile, uh, situation with my stepdad's temper and everybody was walking on eggshells, but you just didn't want to do anything to rock the boat. You know, you never knew what you were going to get uh, from one day to the next. You know, it could be jovial or he could be screaming, yelling, and, you know, cussing at you and all that stuff, you know. Uh, and I, I think because of the volatility of that from the time I was seven years old um, and through my through all of my adolescent and teenage years, um, we just didn't feel comfortable to ask questions. And I didn't, I didn't realize I was uncomfortable to ask questions. I just think I buried it so deep. And I, I told my therapist one time, and this is probably one line that has changed my life more than anything in the last 15 years, um, is I was recounting the story of growing up and, and I said to him, you know, but I rose above that and that didn't affect me. I just, and he just stopped me. He said, hold on. He said, Aubrey, um, I don't know if he said this or if this is just the truth of what it was. It was like, in my mind, it's like, I remember him saying like, nobody gets to say, nobody gets to go through that kind of trauma and that kind of uh, abuse or difficulty growing up nobody gets to go through that and say that it didn't affect me and man that shook me up you know because that was my worldview my worldview was that i rose above it and i learned how to uh how to do all the right things and how to be perfect and so but what i realized is that is that it unraveled my worldview i realized i was coming to the lord with with just self-righteousness my coping mechanism wasn't drugs or porn or alcohol or whatever. My coping mechanism was perfect Christianity. And that's just as nasty, if not more nasty, than any other addiction. You know, Jesus talked most harshly to those who were addicted to their religion. Uh, they followed all the rules, right? But I, I just realized I was coming to the world with my report card. And, uh, and that was just a nasty sin. And I had to repent of that. And, um, I had to come to the Lord and lay that at his feet and say, God, I'm desperate for you. Because the, the what I thought was light was actually darkness. And how deep that darkness really was. Now, that's not to say that God can't, couldn't, didn't redeem those times and he didn't use me and 
didn't speak to me. I mean, he was with me all the way. And I'm grateful that the path that I took. But my relationship with the Lord came alive about at another level about five or six years ago when I had that conversation. And it just blew my whole worldview apart in the best kind of way. Um, Because I thought at that time I was wrestling with God. What what do you want me to do? I, I know there's another level with you. I know there's a deeper level to go with you, but I just feel like I'm I'm not getting there. I'm struggling. And I felt like I was kind of hitting this ceiling and I just couldn't point my finger to it. And what I realized was that Jesus wasn't above me calling me upward. Jesus was down in the deep, dark tunnel of my past calling me downward and saying, we can't go up there until we go down here. Until you go down into the dark places of your past and snatch the identity, the true God man from the jaws of, of the lies and, and the prison that you put him in, put him in and the, the rug that you put him under, until you go down to those places, like you can't walk up as a free man out into the world in the calling I've given you. And uh, what I realized though is that the places I was most afraid to go were the places that Jesus was most desperately calling me to. And what he wanted to show me there though was not my shame. Uh, there is some sexual abuse in my past too when I was a teenager from a mentor and that was a something I was very, very ashamed of. Um, but what he was doing was not taking me there to show me shame and to show me what I did wrong or to show me how I messed up or what he was doing is taking me there to show me that he was there. Hmm. And as deep as the shame goes, his love goes deeper. Right. Deep as the pain goes, his love goes even deeper. And as powerful as those stories are to shape my life, the story of his love for me is more powerful. And that tore me up, man. It set me on fire, though. Put me on a new path. Me, I mean, I, I just got baptized last year again. I don't, I, I know I got baptized as a kid. Yeah, yeah. I will remember it. So I was like, man, I don't care who sees me. I don't care what anybody says. I'm going to just, I need to confess. They call it getting it baptized on the right side of your salvation, you know? Actually, probably five or six months, I I did the same thing, you know, because I played church, you know, checked all, made sure I was checking all the boxes in my own self-righteousness and decided, hey, I'm going to get dunked because everybody else is doing it right because this is what makes me, uh, a Christ follower yeah. Yeah. and never really understanding what that truly meant. So that's awesome, man. That's awesome. I think that Satan wants us to believe, you know, we're, we're all these lies. We're, we're no good. It's our fault. We're not enough. Mm-hmm. All these things, but we have to realize that our identity is in the Lord and the Lord doesn't say any of those things. The Lord right. says you are enough. Mm-hmm. You are mine, you know. Yeah. Hey, come and follow me. Yeah, and I think it—it's really been hard for me because um, I had a grandfather. I grew up with my grandparents. I had a grandfather that was really, really good to me, but didn't really understand like the whole what it means, like the gospel. He didn't understand that what it means to to really follow 
um, Jesus. And so that's what made it difficult for me is while I had a good moral character to look up to, I didn't have that, that guidance. And so, and then I had my, my actual father who we aren't super close, but we talk, uh, we actually recently started, we reconnected over my mother's passing, which is a, a story in it itself. You know, I, I truly believe good things can come out of bad, but where it was really hard to look at Jesus as, you know, God as father, because yeah. the only example I ever had was my grandfather and my actual father. And not that there was something wrong with, with each one, but it's like, if these, if this is what Jesus and God are about, I don't know if I want a part of that, you know, uh, like, I just, I can't, I can't get down with that. I don't like that, you know? And yeah. the cool thing is you've talked about how Jesus redeems is that he's, he's redeemed all of that for me and pointed me to, to why he is different. You know, yeah. what makes, what makes him different from everything else? You know, and I'm still working on putting my identity completely in him and not letting those past things kind of form my identity. But it's really, really hard. And you do. You have to go to those deep, dark places and you have to walk through that, because if you don't walk through it, eventually it, it's all going to come out. And it mm -hmm. all came out. And I can't tell you how important it was for me to go to counseling, to have a good counselor. It wasn't, it wasn't Christian counseling per se, but it was a counselor that is a Christian. And he was able to give me some tools, man, EMDR. If, if you're listening and you've never done EMDR, man, it's a game changer, a game changer. Um, and it was, I don't know if you ever had this point when you were in counseling, but I had a day where it just like clicked. It just clicked for me. And the counselor was like, it's not your fault. And I don't know. And I was like, like, it's not your fault. You didn't do anything wrong. And it was like, it was like the flip of a switch. And it was like from that day forward, it was like a di completely different trajectory. You yes. know, did you ever have a point like that where it just like one day it just clicked? Absolutely. You know, I mean, I mean that particular time of just the revelation of what was a kind of a an awakening to the awakening to the darkness <laughs> of, of my own sin. But then there's the there were there was a particular time very similar to where um, I had been uh, talking with a therapist. He's, he's now just a trusted friend. He's like wonderful man of God, but I was really struggling with like something I was trying to do that wasn't taking off. And I just was like, man, why, why isn't God blessing this? And he was like, you know what, Alfie? like if God wanted you to have 30,000 subscribers or customers tomorrow, he could do that. But what if God doesn't want you to have that right now? Are you okay with that? 
Are you okay with the fact that maybe God's design is different for you than it was for the person that you're watching and compares, comparing your life to you? And I heard somebody say, you know, we compare the worst of our lives with the best of others, you know. Um, anyway, that I don't know, that moment right there for me was like, you know what? I think I am okay with that. I think I am okay with like the Lord loving me and and loving me because he loves me, not because I've shown him something or proven something to him, you know? And uh, Are you getting in your feelings that I feel like I'm about to get yeah. over here in my feelings, man? Because I'm just thinking like the Lord's been so good. And I remember there were times like even a month ago where I had all this anxiety and stuff like that and navigating through things it's it's i have a, you know we're probably going to talk about finding joy and being a father and for the first time like i've i have parts of joy but for the first time recently i was able to sit in a lawn chair and just like not have any stimulation you know mm -hmm. to just sit in awe of and watch my kids have fun and play <laughs> say if if this is all life is you know, mm -hmm. it, our family following Jesus Christ, and this is all all it is. I'm completely okay with that. It's, you know, uh, it, it just having that like peace. You know, and I, I just had that. I like I've always felt like I've got it. Like my kids and my family weren't always enough, and I hate to admit that. You know, because I have to have like some kind of stimulation or something over here. But knowing like, hey. You know, this is enough. It's just an amazing feeling. So yeah. sorry about that, man. I was just getting a little emotional when you're talking about yeah. it. Maybe go back. I, I think that's the that. essential piece of it is hearing the voice of the Lord. Um, Psalm 23 comes to mind. You know, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. Um, boy, that is a, that is a really, uh, <laughs> Well, one, it's a it's a statement that's known in culture, so people pass it up. But that was a really salacious statement in the culture of the world. In 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 that's an attack upon Satan's plans for our lives. It's a really fiery statement. The Lord is my shepherd. Uh I think Eugene Peterson says, The Lord is my shepherd, I have everything I need. Man, if we can say that with honesty. Dude, that's like kicking the freaking teeth into the enemy every morning. So every morning I get up and say, I, I learned this practice from John Mark Comer. I heard a message he was preaching. He was just like, you know, I get up in the morning. And before I do anything, I just say this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have everything I need. Hmm. And I just... Lord, I believe, help my unbelief type thing, you know, but yeah, yeah. the more I do that, the more I come to this place where I realize that I can be, that satisfaction is a possibility. Contentment is a real thing to be had in the Lord, and it's to be had every day. And then all my working and all my ambition can be channeled and can be built on the right foundation instead of striving for worth like i find my worth and now i'm striving with joy because i'm i know who i am mm -hmm. i am a sheep and he's my shepherd 
and he's given me everything I need. I don't want anything. So now I can work with joy. I'm not striving anymore. I'm not gritting my teeth and hustling and grinding and all that crap. I hate those words. But the reality is... Did you say I hate those words? I hate those words, yes, I said it. Hold on. You see in the background? (laughs) You got it. (laughs) In the background, it says hustle, grind. I think I'm going to take those down because those were like... Well, so, I mean, I'll be honest. When I came over to this job, that was my attitude, you know? Like hustle, grind, execute. And I've realized that's not the way, man. Like... If I was going to do that, that's okay. But I'm not going home at three and four o'clock every day. If that's, yeah. if that's the the path that I want to take and I'm going to sacrifice things along the way because of yeah. that, you know? So anyway, if you want a hustle execution grind <laughs> frames or whatever, um, you know, you can pick those up one fourteen. I probably shouldn't say that in the podcast. Show up that. My address, that'd be weird, man. Your worldwide audience, man. Yeah, that's right. Hey, no, here's the real deal. And how those things have carry baggage in me, right? They may be important to you. All you need is that on top of that list needs to be surrendered. You know? Mm-hmm. Because then you can hustle and grind and execute and drive and have a fire and be tenacious and go out there and take ground for the kingdom with boldness and confidence. You can do all those things, but first surrender, you know, but first recognize that nothing I do today is going to add to my worthiness before the Lord or his love for me, add or take away from his love for me. I am fully known and loved by him from the very moment I break, I wake up. That's why his mercies are new every morning. From the moment I wake up this morning, I am fully loved, known, chosen by the Lord. And there's nothing I can do today to change that. Now, now that I know that, now I can go be go nuts for, for him. You know, I could do what I do as unto the Lord. I can hustle as unto the Lord, grind as unto the Lord, you know, all those things. Um, because so I just he, need to write that right beside him, right? That's right, right. Render yeah. and then unto the Lord. <laughs> yeah, that's right. The Lord is my shepherd. Hustle, grind, execution. <laughs> cool, man. Well, hey, we're going to sign off for uh, this week. 